Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, the guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. What Welcome is... to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Hey everybody, welcome to our new Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Improved Chris and Drew, two self Good Bottle Podcast, where we have three introductions just to make sure that you know exactly who you're listening to. Wow. Drew, that was entertaining. Uh uh, what is up, my uh brother from another mother, my uh mensch from another wench. How uh how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I think I think we need to go back to the model of when we put almost zero effort into this and so like when things didn't work it just didn't matter because it was just kind of like well yeah like we're not trying that hard so of course things are not going to go smoothly and now as we continue to try to improve what we're doing and because we do enjoy it and and i really love the feedback that we get on it and i think a lot of people are willing to deal with the nonsense because of because of who we are in our relationships but now when things mess up and we've had a couple things happen tonight where you're just kind of like just kill me like this is ridiculous now we're trying and it seems like to be going worse how does that happen is that is it's inevitable is, it's, is, it, this is my life drew i welcome to it and you're now you've now uh, succumb to the the curse of the uh, the curse of the Chris. Oh my God! It's it's I've been Sinclair'd Is what's happened. I've that's just a, been. That's, that's a fact. But you know, d- despite despite these these hiccups and the fact that um the fact that we had we had a guest lined up tonight and there was a little bit of miscommunication, but they're going to be here next week, which we're really excited about. They're really excited too. It just didn't work out timing wise. They're in the middle of a move right now. They don't have Wi-Fi, which is a pretty big deal for for these recordings as we do them remotely from each other. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I think we we still have some really fun stuff that that we're going to talk about today. Of course, we're going to you know drink some interesting spirits. I think you guys are going to be shocked by what I'm drinking tonight, and I know Chris actually has something delicious to balance it out. And then we have um, kind of a fun fun deep dive on some of the most ridiculous and insanely expensive fines that have been handed out in our industry, as well as um, the growing trend of celebrity agave products, which we all know that I love so much. But uh, but before we get to that, Chris, uh, what are you drinking? Oh, buddy. I am one time. on the... That's great. Only one time. Only one time. Only one uh, yeah, time. To, be, to be fair, I didn't know if that was actually going to happen or if it was just going to keep going. So my finger was like ready on the button to just see if it would continue. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think this program just likes the sound of my wife's voice more than ours. So it just was trying to drown us out. I mean, I get it. That's uh, why I, was, <laughs> I, I petitioned for, for Jen to be the voice of the, of the Good Bottle podcast. So I totally understand. Yeah, that was a good move on your part. Um, I am drinking uh, uh, the Matuna whiskey by Paul John. Uh, the uh, batch number one It is 58% alcohol and it is freaking delicious Indian whiskey, man. It is, is damn tasty. I, uh, I have over the last maybe year and a half become a huge fan of, of single malts from other other areas uh other than you know your typical you know ireland scotland uh us even gets included in that now um so this is just i mean this is just a beautiful whiskey uh aged aged i don't even know how long this fucking aged but probably not damn good probably not long because it's india um but however long it's aged just right amount and i enjoy this quite a bit it's uh, got a lot of like cherry wood on it. Um, got got a nice little burn at fifty eight percent. It's not hiding anything. Um, I'm a fan. 
Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge fan of of Paul John, and I mean, obviously, there's a little bit of brothers in arms when it comes to that feeling, just because you know we have we have Amrut, which is another single malt out of out of the country of India, and there's just they're doing really cool stuff. I mean, they're they're definitely following a lot of the, I guess the the practices that get in implemented with with Scotch, and you and you see that across the world. You know, whether it's Japan um, or or Israel or Wales, you know, so a bunch of the different ones that I work with. And it's just really cool to see people embracing the stuff that, that makes scotch and traditional single malts really good, but then not being limited by some of their regulations. And so you get to see a lot of different cask experimentation and things that you typically, and and they've started to, they've started to loosen a lot of regulations in Scotland where people can start to use different type of different types of cask. But in these in these other countries, you know, they don't have those rules. Like they're definitely trying to put out the best distillate possible. But at the same time, they are using lots of different things in order to make it make it kind of cool. So, um, you know, with like Amrut doing the Spectrum cask was a combination of a bunch of different staves all built back together to create the barrel. Or if you're talking about like M&H distillery in Israel, I mean, they're they're doing pomegranate wine cask. And honestly, it's one of the best things I've ever tasted. It's so delicious. And then with Paul John, I mean, they're doing all kinds of crazy fun stuff. And then, you know, the thing that a lot of people don't consider is, you know, your, your angel share in these places is, is bonkers, which is why it's not aged for very long because you're just going to lose the cask. And we just brought one over from Israel and it was only three years old. And with the yield that we got out of it was 202 bottles Typically, that's something Jesus. that you'd be in the yeah the two forty to two sixty range. We got two hundred and two. So, um, you know, again, the the angel share is that evaporation that occurs within these barrels because it's just so freaking hot. And um, but on the flip side, what that means is that there's a lot of expansion and contraction in that barrel. So you're able to, you know, I guess, kind of like hyper age these things. And you know, whereas with with scotch you can lay something down and be like okay i'm not going to touch that for a year in these hotter climates these warehouse managers and these blenders and you know these these people who are behind these really wonderful whiskeys like they have to be on top of it all the time you know they're they're tasting every every few months which is crazy yeah you know and it's not it's not just the heat uh and i, I feel like it it's necessary to point that out it's the diurnal shift right so we're talking about the heat during the day but then also the the damn cold at night. Um, and that's, that's really what, what brings us to the apex of, of aging so quickly uh, because we're, we're going so hot during the day and then so mm-hmm. cold that the, you know, all the grains within the wood are just con- constricting, squeezing that juice out, squeezing all that vapor out. Um, and then just repeating that process, you know, whereas Scotland where it's just kind of, chilly and then you know slightly less chilly uh and <laughs> you know you, that's why you get you know 30 year old age you know whiskeys whereas you try to age let's say you know an yeho for that long uh tequila like it's just all you're getting is wood you're you know you're not you're not tasting anything probably too special out of it at that at that point in time just yeah, due to that it's- that diurnal shift yeah, it's totally. Um, I think something that gets gets dismissed quite a bit. You know, when you're, when you're talking about agave and stuff like that, because you know, agave's all of its aging is done pre-distillation, and so, and the reason being is exactly what you said. It's like it's because of those huge swings in temperature down in Mexico. It's like that interaction is happening so much more quickly that the an an añejo can be anywhere from one to three years, right? So it's like that's not a very long time, especially when you apply it to whiskey aging terms. But um, you know that's a, another discussion for another time because I will just wax poetically about how much better agave is. So you know that's <laughs> all right. That's, well, I don't, uh, I don't do that. <laughs> on that note, then what are you drinking? So I am drinking agave, and I thought I thought this would be a fun one to drink tonight, and. Um, the reason being is because we are actually going to talk about some celebrity agave. And this was given to me a few weeks ago 
by um, Susan Koss from Mezcalistas. If you guys haven't checked them out, it's a really, really great Mezcal blog. And they do Mexico in a Bottle, uh, where they used to do Mexico in a Bottle every year. But they're doing like digital events right now and stuff too. And Susan's really awesome. And she picked a bottle up of um, of the Lobos Mezcal. And for the uninitiated, Lobos Mezcal is LeBron James's new Mezcal. So I've been sitting on this for a couple weeks and haven't popped it open yet. And I thought, well, we're going to talk about Celebrity Agave tonight. Why don't I try this for the first time live here on the podcast? Everybody listen to it. We're going to get my the full reaction to it. Um, so this one clocks in at 42% and it is Espadine, which is pretty standard for, for a lot of people coming into the market for the first time. Uh, you know, Espadine does tend to be a little bit more of affordable option. Uh, this one, however, spends some time in sherry barrels and particular PX, which they like to point out is from Spain, which I think is really great. Um, they put that, they put that on the bottle and, um, but with that being the case, it says that it's flavored with, with PX cask. And, but if you look at the glass, which I know you guys can't see, but now me and Chris are trying this new video thing. Chris can confirm that this is a clear liquid and typically, and typically when you have like a, like a sherry cask influence, there's going to be a little bit of color on there or any type of aging. So um, believe it or not, Chris, this was kind of hard to find production notes on. It just says that it was that was used. But um, was so I'm was gonna try that it. Was that facetious? Uh, it was a little bit. Yeah, it was. Um, so you know, on the nose, it's super light. It doesn't. It definitely has that little bit of that mezcal smoke and uh, brightness that you expect out of an espadine. But nothing it's pretty it's pretty weak. You know, it's just kind of like it's there and it's kind of gone. But again, this is an Espadine, and for the most part, I don't really drink a whole lot of Espadines at this point. Not to say that they can't be dynamic, they absolutely can. It's just most of the stuff I tend to drink are some of like your bigger your bigger mezcals and, and higher ABV. So all right, let's see if this thing what this tastes like. So I always go with the four taste method. I know we've talked about it on the show before, but you know you really can't judge anything off of the first sip. And and Chris, I know that you get assaulted with spirits every single day with vendors coming into your store, and then just all of your friends wanting to pour stuff in your mouth. Um, when you're tasting new things, what's kind of your process for for going through? Because again, like I know there's been days, and we've recorded after these days where. You just try way too many. You or you try way too many things in one day. What What's your process? So, because my again, mind the force, the four sip. First one, I'm kind of washing my palate out. Now that the burn has gone away, I'm going in for my second sip. But Chris, what do you do? Uh, well, if I'm tasting your booze, I will taste it, and no matter what I think, I'll talk shit about it um, right out of the gate. Just to make sure that you're cut down so that way no matter what I say after that is like it's okay. But well, if yeah. I'm if I'm tasting for myself, then I uh I I I typically stick to like a two, three taste um method. Um I first first taste is mouthwash, right? So you you gotta swish it all around, get get the oxygen in there, get all your taste buds activated, sort of reset to what they're about to handle, um, especially if you're dealing with high alcohol booze or lower alcohol booze, your, your palate is going to be, you know, let's say, let's say you were drinking, you know, fucking, uh, high ester Jamaican rum, you know, uh, white rum, you know, overproof, navy proof, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then all of a sudden you're asked to taste a, taste a, a liqueur, um, you're gonna you're gonna want to like adjust your palate in the middle there. So that that first taste is really going to be really important, and it's really important to sort of reserve judgments. There are a few things that you can get off of that first taste, like um, uh, if you're if you're swallowing, if you're not spitting it out, um, how it feels in your throat. 
that's that's going to be a key indicator for quality of distillation and quality of spirit. Um, I.e., you shouldn't really feel it in your throat. You should feel it in your chest, and you should feel it in your in your uh, mouth. Um, any of the heat. Uh, on top of that, then you're looking at your second sip. Second sip, you really want to pay attention to um, breathing in, breathing out. Uh, also, what sort of cool viscosity you're getting over over your tongue, whether it's like your mid palate, um, and then and then you know, what are your first impressions on that? You know, is it gamey? Is it nutty? Is it juicy? Is it sweet? Is it dry, salty, so on and so forth? Like you just, you work your way through uh, flavor tables just to see if what's recognizable. Um, and then usually, usually by the end of that, you can, depending on how skilled of a taster you are, you can, you can start to sum things up there. But usually the third sip for me is always going to be what, what really helps like reveal the hidden it, hidden nature and complexity of whatever it is that I'm drinking. If it, if it exists. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a great, that's kind of a great way to break it down. And you can do that with, with really anything that you're, that you're tasting. I mean, um, you know, typically with the events that we do, you have people coming in after a long day of work or, um, you know, maybe it's a Saturday afternoon. And so typically a lot of the times is, you know, people have had coffee that day, sodas, you know, what have you. And so, you know, it's really, it's really good to, to readjust your, your palate and get it to that point where you can really, you know, enjoy, enjoy that spirit and as it's in its true form and what that, what that producer wants you to taste. So I'm a couple of sips into this thing and, um, you know, it's, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I am, I am, I am pleasantly, I am pleasantly surprised. Um, and I was, I was reading a couple different reviews on it, and uh, one of the, one of the critiques was that uh, they didn't really taste the sherry, and I, I disagree with that assessment. I think the sherry is on the back, and it really kind of, it really hits you in the back of the mouth and gives it this uh, roundness that you typically don't get in a lot of low ABV um, espadines. And so I just think, and I think that comes from the fact that I, A, I drink a lot of sherry thanks to you. And then B, I drink a lot of sherry cask finishes. So I'm very, very familiar with like what that taste profile is. And so um, I think it just, it just really stands out to me. Um, There's a decent pop in the middle of it. It, it's doesn't linger too long, but again, it's an espadine, so it's kind of a younger, younger agave, and it's that's kind of what you expect when it comes to something like this. This bottle uh, retails for sixty two dollars, so you know, not necessarily a price that I would feel happy about paying for this. I just think that there's a lot of similar products that fall into you know the the low to mid 40s that i think are i think are better options and you know of course i never you know would would suggest to go out and buy a celebrity endorsed agave product because the last thing that those people need is more money there's definitely a lot more (laughs) deserving brands out there but this is not horrible this is i i am pleasantly surprised by this i'm glad i didn't pay for it because again it's a 62 dollar bottle and I'm glad I got to sample it. The bottle is is cool, you know. I, you know, obviously there's lots of people, you know, behind that design team. But um, I'm yeah, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna completely bury this. You know, like when we had the Terramana, the Terramana felt like an incomplete tequila, right? Like it just was. It got like halfway there, and you were kind of like, and then it's gone. It's like, well, that's not it. Like this is definitely a full a full flavor spectrum from front to back of your palate. Um, I have about half the bottle left, Chris. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring this to you so you can try it. Oh, sweet. Um, but it's, uh, it's definitely not something that you need in your bar, but if you're, I guess a LeBron James fan or, um, you know, what's I, I think, I think what's nice about this is it probably could work as like a bridge for people to get into mezcal, you know, it doesn't have the overwhelming smoky notes that a lot of people associate mezcal with. And it is, um, it's just, it, I mean, the price point again, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of, it's hard to get people in at anything plus 50 
to a category they don't really understand or know. But with that being said, it's like, okay, if, if someone poured this, like, Hey, this is mezcal there, you know, because of that Sherry cast, I think it kind of rounds out the finish on it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not horrible. It's not great. It's okay. But 62 bucks, you can do better, but not horrible. So there's the assessment that, uh, of Lobo's mezcal. That uh, the PX sherry. Uh, first of all, it's pe- uh, PX stands for Pedro Jimenez. It's a it's a Swedish sherry in in the, in the sherry spectrum. It's typically what people assume that they're talking about when they talk about sherry, um, uh, or at least like if they have the idea of sherry in their mind and without ever having like really tasted through it. Um, it tends to taste like uh, like raisins, honestly, like sweet yeah. raisins with that are slightly more complex in flavor you're saying that 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 comes through a little bit uh not necessarily like in the, in the, the palate, but not no it's more more at the back like it's not it's not even necessarily the flavor profile but you know how it kind of when you're either either when you are eating raisins and how it kind of like coats the back of your mouth and it gets um it just adds like this mouthfeel to it that's that's what yeah. it does. It doesn't come through in the sweetness, so you're not getting it like you would obviously like by eating some raisins. But I think when you try it, you'll you'll understand. You'll be kind of be like, oh yeah, this this is hitting me in the same spot that sherry typically hits me, you know. And so it's manifesting itself in my in my mouth that way. And so I think it just gives it um, it gives it more of a finish than I think it probably would have had it just been left outside of you know with with no cask at all but i don't I, I again like i'm trying to figure out like what does this mean like it was flavored with with px cast like there's no color on this distillate whatsoever so what is i mean what did they do, do the yeah, charcoal filter i was or i was just th- thinking that i was it, like it must be it must be some sort of equivalent to crystallino or, or at least you know using the same methodology you know, using using charcoal filtration and carbon filtration to strip it of color. Yeah. So when you when you see tequilas that are that are crystallinos, that's what they do. Like they age it in barrels, and then for whatever reason, somebody was like, you know, guys, we just put all this time and effort into aging this in a barrel. Let's take all the color away from it and run it through some like you know charcoal or carbon filtering, which just again it doesn't make any sense whatsoever but that's just what people decided to do and it's an well, ongoing you know, it trend makes, it makes a it makes a little bit of sense because because people are so put off by gold, quote unquote gold tequila you know so i there's so many people out there who just don't understand the difference between a reposado añejo and gold so what's the difference between so, those just because again we're not, we don't want to assume anybody has that knowledge that's fair. Uh, Reposado and Añejo are aging uh, uh, marks. Gold tequila is shitty tequila. It's it's color added. It's usually agave nectar or sweetener added to it. It's usually uh, a mixto tequila, so not a hundred percent, not a hundred percent agave, which usually means that it's blended with like a little bit of like rum distillate. Uh, so. It's not good, <laughs> and that's you know that's you know that's Jose Cuervo Gold is is that right? Like Salsa Gold is that? Uh, that? Like there's plenty of things out there that are that are that that everybody got got bit by in in their in their youth when they thought that they were drinking real tequila. Yeah, I think the I think the interesting commentary though on that because you you know what you're probably you're you're probably on. On that for sure like maybe it's something like oh um you know the the darker tequilas give me hangovers or whatever you know associating an añejo with with a gold tequila you know even though they could not be further from from what they are but the brands that really did it were like well established within having because i mean i understand like making the comparison to jose cuervo right but i mean somebody like don julio does it Right, so they have the Blanco, their Repo, their Añejo, and then they have, of course, they have the 1942. But then they have the Don Julio 70, and the 70 
is an Añejo that's been charcoal filtered. Or if you're talking about Dobel, that's another one. It's called their Diamante that has been charcoal filtered. And you're kind of like, okay, well, in your guys' own category, you never like messed around with the mixto, but like you, I mean, I, I mean, I, again, I understand the parallels that you're, cause not everybody understands the differences between brands, but it's just kind of funny that it was those brands that were kind of like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take this color away and, you know, make sure there's no association. So it's aged, but it's not aged, or it doesn't look like it's aged or whatever. So I don't know. You know, it's, I mean, what's really funny about that is that like, you know, agave, agave nerds like us will, definitely look down at at crystallinos you know like i i'm okay with them i think they're fun at you know if somebody puts it in front of me i'll drink it and probably won't be offended by it will i spend money on it Eh, probably not but you go to mexico crystallinos are crushing the market right now in mexico like they're everywhere i think they're i think they're one of the hottest new trends no, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, unique to Mexico. I think it's I, I mean they're they're obviously working. That's why you're seeing more in more of them. Um, there was one brand that I recently had that was actually pretty good. And actually, I, I prefer the Don Julio seventy over the nineteen forty two. So um, again, oh, yeah. I'm not yeah, 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 I'm not absolutely. I'm not rushing out to get it, but I definitely prefer it over the forty two. Um, oh man. We'll have to come back to the one that I, will I tried. Say, I will say the 1942 bottle is easier to flare with. Well, of course. <laughs> the important, <laughs> the important stuff. Um, okay. Well, I think I think I think we've we've been tasting for long enough, and people are kind of like, "What's going on in the news today?" So now it's time for um, our opinions on stories that we've heard from reputable sources. Only one time. We're killing the game right now. We're 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 back on. We're back in a rhythm. Uh, so sticking with some of the agave talk, and the reason that I kicked off with the Lobos is, you know, this was a big week for celebrity tequila announces announcements. So the first one was from Kendall Jenner, who is releasing her 808 tequila, which has been allegedly in the works for four to five years. And it's been a mystery tequila that has been gathering all kinds of awards. And uh, the 808 is, I guess, uh, the name of her area code that she's from. And then that announcement was then followed up by Kevin Hart coming out and saying that he's also been working for numerous years and that he loves it when a plan comes together because he's all about premium and he really means what he's talking about when it comes to premium. So this, of course, sent the tequila aficionado world into a tailspin this week to not only have one new celebrity tequila, but two, and one of them coming from a group of people that a lot of people don't like. Chris, when you heard that Kendall Jenner was releasing her tequila, I mean, how many cases did you order? Not not a one, not a one. Uh, my first reaction was, yeah, of course she is. Why not? Why the hell not? Everybody wants that Clooney money. Um, that's I. I think where I lost it was it. How do I say this? When celebrities take over booze categories and we see it most predominantly in in um agave spirits right now you know that's that's the trend right now is celebrities in agave which is ridiculous um but you see it we see it a little bit in wine too where celebrities feel the need to like educate and like they they know what they're talking about more than anybody else um and that they they have this like white savior complex of like i'm gonna save this industry i'm gonna save these people in this town i'm gonna do this for them because i'm me and i'm amazing and i know what i'm doing in the four to five years that i've been studying 
agave spirits, not the person who's actually making it, who's probably like third generation uh, and, you know, uh, has their hands in the dirt and, you know, actually digging up the agave and, and telling her fucking spoiled ass when it's actually like ready to be harvested and shit. But you see it, you see that like Brad Pitt also had like this comment and we, we joked about it, you know, Oh, Maybe like six or seven months ago talking about like sparkling French rosé and how it was like pretty rare. Like the fuck are you talking about rare? Like when, when has yeah. sparkling rosé ever been rare? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that is, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, I saw, again, I saw a lot of fallout over, over the past week in terms of, you know, there was all kinds of articles that came out about how upset people were. And then, that was followed up by people defending the decisions and saying things like, Oh, she's bringing jobs to Mexico and stuff like that. And I just want, I want everybody to be clear on this, on this thing, whether it's the rock, you know, whether it's Kendall Jenner or Kardashian, whatever she's called. And, and guys like Kevin Hart and Ron White and all these different people who are doing these tequila projects, they are not bringing any jobs to Mexico. None. They are pretending they are. The Rock did a great job. You know, he opened up a, his own distillery, even though it was just creating his own nom, which is a um, which is a, a number that's assigned to distilleries. He just created his own within a distillery, and so. I just think it's it's really for me at this point, it's just kind of like the lies that are associated with these brands and the things that they're trying to push. And, you know, some some people were commenting like, oh, this is, you know, this is kind of like the the end of the tequila industry and stuff. And I mean, obviously that's not true and that's that's very dramatic and, and everything like that. And, you know, honestly, I don't I don't think that celebrities are the issue. It's the, I think there's bigger issues than celebrity agave products in, in Mexico when it comes to tequila production. It's like, if you are, are going to allow this stuff, it's like, you know, I, when I look them up and I see these brands, it's like, I'd rather see some of these things that they're doing than another diffuser tequila, you know? I, I think those are are horrible stuff, and it's horrible for for the industry. And um, I would much rather see rather see those. And so, I, I think there's bigger issues, and I just I can't spend any more energy on on hating these celebrity tequilas anymore because obviously they don't care. Obviously, they're making tons of money, and the only thing that's going to drive them out of this business is when the tequila market completely collapses, and it will. It's going to happen because these agaves are getting so much more expensive, and these farmers are you know they're starting to make more money. Like there's still a lot of people who are not you know like your like your humidors and stuff like that. The guys who are actually cutting this stuff is you know they're not making more money, and it's disgusting considering how big this industry has grown. But until these until this industry is no longer profitable these guys are not going to, and these people are, they're not going to be coming into it anymore because right now it's like a low barrier of entry. So it's like, Oh yeah, you come in. It seems like you have a little bit of culture because you're drinking this nice age spirit. It's, there's a little bit more time that goes into it. And let's say like a gin or a vodka, it's, it's going to become unappealing. It's no longer going to become, you know, it's not about making money anymore. And for a lot of these people, that's the only reason that they're in it. And I don't blame them. I mean, like you said, I mean, you have, you have George Clooney who comes in, puts a few years effort in and makes a billion dollars. Then you have the rock launches his stuff last year. They are, I think they've already surpassed a million cases. It's like, how incredible is it that you can sell a million cases of subpar tequila? Like that's crazy. And it's just, it's, and that stuff is going to continue to happen until we get to a point where you can't make a ton of money off of it because the agave is too expensive because there's so many brands. But you know, I, 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 I think at this point I've been thinking about this a lot over the week. It's like if I had a list of of things that I would I would get rid of before I got to celebrity tequilas, you know. I mean again, diffuser tequilas, get them out. It's I think it's it's wasteful. It encourages way too much fuckery when it comes to agave growth and everything like that. Get rid of agave syrup. I think those are I mean that's a total sham and now there's people who are doing like 
craft agave syrup it's like fuck right off like that is so ridiculous you know and and then and then maybe we get to celebrity tequilas you know but let's take care of those first two things or maybe let's get some a little bit of um a little bit more care from the crt into what they allow people to call tequila get rid of mixtos get rid of all this different stuff and then and then we can focus on celebrities exploiting you know agave and tequila in general but you know until that point it's just there's you're going to continue to get celebrities and you're going to continue to get entrepreneurs who think they're going to bring the premium to the table with their fancy phallic bottles and stuff like that it's just it's it's too easy right now i mean i can't tell you how many times that you know i've had a conversation with somebody who thinks that they're finally going to you know bring a premium tequila to the table and it's just like he's like you're just trying to look like 1942 and your bottle sucks and your tequila sucks so it's i don't know what to tell you anymore but i don't know if i have much energy left for <laughs> for the celebrity tequila fight i'm going to let i'm going to let the younger generation take that one on now i just can't do it anymore it's like it's never going to end i I'm with you. I, I have two points I'd like to add to your rant. Uh, one is uh, in terms of the bringing jobs to Mexico argument. No one ever says uh, from their Canadian whiskey brand that they're launching, that they're bringing jobs to Canada. It's like it does. It never comes up. It's it's it, it would be an absurd thing to say, right? Like, ah, oh, we're starting Canadian whiskey. So that way we can bring jobs to Canada. No one. That just it sounds silly even just coming out. On the other hand, uh, I would also like to point out uh, as to why this argument is beyond ridiculous. Eight one eight tequila is made at eleven thirty seven nom. The brands produced at eleven thirty seven nom, which is the the number for the uh, for the distillery are no less than 50. There are no less than 50 brands that I'm scrolling through on, on a uh, tequila finder. Or, um, and matchmaker. tequila matchmaker. Thank you. Uh, included in here are Kazool 100, Casa Noble, uh, Astral Tequila, uh, Atanio Tequila, Apocalypto Tequila, uh, Don Loco, Don Primo, Dos Almas, uh, we are, let's see, Los Rijos, Lucha Libre, uh, Mi, Mi Buen, uh, Playa Real, fucking Sangre de Vida, I mean, uh, Tequila Mi Campo, like these are like not even necessarily even just like tiny brands. Oh, Triple X Tequila. <laughs> these aren't even just tiny brands, right? So like these guys, they didn't come out of the woodwork and go oh you're right we're gonna make tequila for the kardashians we've seen the light uh this is how we're gonna you know keep our family alive for generations to come like this is they they've already been doing it this this is a fucking industrial complex that this specific uh distillery is just crushing out agave spirits She's just buying some and putting her own fucking label on it. That's all there is to it. Oh, good times. <laughs> Yo. Uh. All right, so on to our next one. So this was isn't really a top story. It's just something that that I found really interesting this week. And what what it is is um the spirits business which was one of one of our favorite sites to get um different different stories from they're they're constantly on top of things is they did uh the top 10 spirits industry fines and i just i was just like well my god f-i-n-e-s not d-s fines yeah so monetary you get yeah, you get in trouble, you're getting fined, that type of fine. And um, I'm a sucker for a good top 10 list. And so I will always click on those things like those, those paid for ads with the top 10 list. Like I'm always clicking on those, like I'm making somebody money somewhere. But um, it is it is my absolute favorite. And 
it it quickly got dampened by some of the things on this list because some of it was like uh you know like oh these people got hurt in this warehouse and it was negligent or there was this big fire and lots of people got hurt and i was like oh this isn't as much fun as i thought it was going to be and then you start getting into like the really good ones and then some of the things that really expose a lot of the huge issues that we have in our industry and things that really changed our our industry as well. So before I talk about a couple of my favorites, um, Chris, what were some of your favorites on the top 10 finds in our industry's history? Oh, man. I mean, a lot of them are relatively recent. Um you know, within the last like five years, I, I think my favorite would be the, uh, I don't know about my favorite, but definitely in my top three of this list would be the Southern, uh, the Southern Glaciers 3.5 million for their illegal quote unquote pay to play, uh, schemes, uh, you know, that Southern doing the, doing the dirty work. Um, well, so we what can is, jump into so it what, as to why that's funny. Yeah. So, so, to, to define what that what the pay to play means is that, you know, essentially you go in and you make a promise to an account like, hey, you take in X amount of cases and I'm going to swipe my credit card for this to help you offset this cost. And in this in this brief article, um, you know, they basically like these swipes range from five dollars to a thousand dollars. And in all reality, just being in the business that we're in, there was probably way more than that. Um and but this was this was quite the hammer that was brought down onto uh, Southern at the time, and you know, you know now they're essentially a monopoly of of distribution throughout the U.S. So it 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 clearly had a huge effect on them. But um, in terms of the industry, what it really did was it it spurned the birth of like marketing companies coming in to these to these industries and acting as third parties to be able to funnel this money, which is crazy, you know, because neither the distributor can't spend money and suppliers can't spend money, but you know who can spend money? Third party marketing teams. And so now that's just basically where that money has gone. So it's like it it shook it up to the point where, you know, they're not directly doing it, but now they just have somebody else that they give money to. It's like, Hey, you, you go do this. It's like giving, giving like the key to the locker in the airport where like all the cops are watching it be like, Hey, Hey kid, go get this thing out of this bag, out of this locker for me at the airport and then bring the bag back to me. So that way you're not caught opening that locker. <laughs> that's just like, that's a great that's, analogy. That's, that's fucking great. Yeah. Well, you know, it's this is this is what I do. I I make a obscure like eighties movie references and plot you know plot points <laughs> to to convey uh, analogies for people. But but yeah, well, man, it's you just know, like to be fair. To be fair, uh, like uh, third party marketing companies have been have been a uh, a part of the booze world for quite a long time. It's it's not within the last. It's not since two thousand seventeen. I mean, they've definitely been around longer. I mean. Uh, you were when you work for Diageo. You were working with with who? You were working with um, uh, I'm trying to who is who is who was MTG your... or something like that? Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah like that, that yeah. was like and yeah, that was that was that was pre 2017. That was way pre MTG. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that yeah. was pre that was pre that. And I mean, in looking back now, like I can't believe that they gave me the budget that they gave me. That they was like, just go spend this thousands upon thousands of dollars and i just like had i had you know if i had something like that now i'd be so much better at my job you know because i would actually leverage things i wouldn't just be buying drinks and shit like that it would just it would actually be like a good use of money but you know you hand a you hand a kid in his mid-20s this like corporate credit card to go nuts and that's exactly what happened and i made a lot of friends that way (laughs) um and that continues to happen it's just it's funny that uh you know it's just like these 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 pay to play and it's and it's and it's now to the point and we'll see what happens when when places open back up but i mean there's accounts that i can't work with and the reason i can't work with them is that i don't have a credit card to swipe to work with them and that's just how it is it's just kind of like well i can't do anything for you so they don't see value in a distributor like me because 
they have to pay full price for things. And that just doesn't jive with them. They're like, well, why would I pay full price with you? And X, Y, and Z, I can get all of this different stuff, you know? And it's just kind of, it's just kind of barbarous. Like, you know, at, at certain points, like Southern usually is the one that gets like their hand slapped. Right. And no, oh, you can't do this anymore. You can't do that anymore. But ultimately these things live on. It's still very much so a part of this industry. You know, it's, it's the industry of gray area, you know, like we, we spurned the, the crime wave of the, of, of where we expurned like organized crime in America was because of our industry. Like, it's just, that has not <laughs> gone away. Yeah. But, um, you know, I remember, I remember yeah. talking to, a to, to our friend Josh Hunt about this story when, when it was happening um, years, years ago. And, and, and we, I was really interested by it, especially at the point in time, because I was really hoping to see like a larger, a larger fallout, like larger impact. Because if anybody can can handle that, fucking Southern can take that hit, right? Like it's millions of dollars. The it's the largest distribution company in in our country. They're going to be fine. I mean, it's it's no small amount of change, that's for sure. But it's they'll they'll still be okay, um, as we know, right? Because they're huge still. Um, but you know, you, you did see other, other companies start to like tighten their belt and start to like be careful, uh, uh, or very, very least, you know, like, uh, uh, take an extra step in between what used to be. So, so blatantly obvious just to, just to hide it and obscure it a little bit more. Yeah. I think, I, I think what's, what's really gonna, I was really hoping that fines like this would really help small, small companies out, you know, so that way everybody had to play by the rules a little bit, a little bit more. And no one does. I mean, for sure. Pay to play is definitely, definitely a thing. Uh, And it's definitely still a thing. And I, the amount of phone calls that I take because things can't be written text is unreal. (laughs) (laughs) it's uh yeah it it happens a lot i i never intentionally ask for it uh also i'm never intentionally turning it down so well and that's i mean but that's also like a a thing to consider as well like if you're a business owner and someone tells you that they're going to give you x amount of of stuff but then it's only going to cost you x amount of dollars where you're kind of like this is the potential money that you can make on this it's like it's like well how do you say no to that you know like how do you how do you kind of be like you know what i'm i'm good with not making that much money like i'm i'm actually in this business for the passion you know like i just that's that's what i want and you know and obviously you don't take every every single deal but it's uh it's just it's really interesting to see like how it how it unfolds and then like you know you walk into a store and you can kind of be like or or a restaurant or a bar and kind of be like wow okay based off this this and this i can see who owns this place you know and then you know you look at somebody's menu and you're and i mean and again like it it can manifest itself in a lot of different ways so it's like it, it might just be like hey i'm gonna pay for all your menus you know, so then it's like you look at a menu and it's, just, it's all one company's stuff um, or, you know, hey, I'm going to put up this this neon sign for you. Like, I want to I want to do that. Or, hey, I want to get you a slushy machine. You know, it's just there, there's ways that that people that people do it. And I mean, who doesn't want a slushy machine? I want one. Oh, I got to put I got to do want a, a slushy machine. Yeah, it's like I got to do an X, you know, a whatever in Coke with your stuff. Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Give me a slushy machine. Like that's that's just how it goes. So it, it hasn't really it hasn't really stopped it. I, I do. Th- there's there's good and bad about it, because, you know, for me, like I said, like I don't I don't have brands that have money like that or, or anything. So it it stops the conversation right away. So it's truly trying to build that relationship with somebody. Like I can just kind of like, no, 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 I'm sorry. I have nothing for you. And if you don't want to work with me, that's fine. I'll take my business elsewhere as well. It's just, it, it stops that conversation right away. I mean, when you do have that stuff or you do have those expense accounts, I mean, you can definitely see the people who take advantage, you know, 
And that's also a tough position to be in, even as a rep or an ambassador or whatever is trying to figure out like, okay, how do I not get taken advantage of right now? And, and again, leverage this spending account that I have. So, so it was a huge fight that they faced and, you know, it kind of changed things, but not really, but it's just kind of funny that we're revisiting it a couple of years later. And it's just kind of like, man, that was a big deal back then. And it's, it's kind of still a thing. Like it's just, uh, I guess, I guess we didn't learn our lessons, but yeah. Uh, you know, okay. my, my so, big fear about these, uh, my, my big fear about these fines was that it was going to take away uh, dollars from education, um, which it didn't seem like it did, but, but you could see how, how companies would be so, so frightened of spending any money that they, right. they just wouldn't invest in, in the industry anymore. Right. Right. Um, okay. So, so let's just keep this ball rolling. And, um, you know, no, another one that we had in here, which I thought was really interesting for, and for a couple of reasons is, uh, in August of 2017, Diageo, uh, full year financial results revealed that Johnny Walker owner has set aside $46 million to cover a fine issued by the Turkish authorities for an anti-competitive practices in the Rocky market. Now, this is interesting because most people are not going to be able to tell you what Rocky is. So I love that they had such a huge fine when it came to dealing in with Rocky and of all places in, in Turkey. Um, so the Turkish Competition Authority, otherwise known as uh, Rekabet, launched this investigation into one of Diageo subsidiaries that owns the Yeni Rocky brand. And um, according to them, the fine was was for exceptional items in respect to the Turkish Competition Authority investigation into certain parts of their trading practices in Turkey. So this is kind of an extension, or and of course we're extrapolating here, right? Because it doesn't exactly say what it is. What, um, but this is something that, it, this is kind of like a pay to play, right? Like they were doing things that were not considered kosher uh, in Turkey at the time. And so they faced a, they faced a really, and I just think it's so hilarious that it was around Rocky, which we don't drink here at all. I mean, I started to drink it cause I actually really enjoy it, but I, I think the only other person I know that drinks this stuff is you. And, or that you might even yeah, really fair. know about it. Like, <laughs> you know, like nobody else is, nobody else is really drinking this stuff in my inner circles or anything like that. I love to introduce it to people. And then that kind of ends there. They're kind of like, Oh, okay. I've had that now. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it's a distilled grape product. And, um, and it's very, very big in the Middle East and there's all different types. Turkey is a, is a huge consumer of it. We carry a couple of Turkey Rockies, um, in other countries like Lebanon, it's also known as Iraq. So it's, um, it's, it's a really fun product. But I just, when I saw that, I was like, I was like, God, who would have thought like one of your biggest finds had to do with Turkey and Rocky? Like that's so bizarre to me that. That's what that. That's what happened. But I don't know. What did, What do you think? I mean, are, are, are these fines too big oh, for yeah, freaking man. Rocky? No, not when you're, uh, you know, supposedly over overextending your influence in monetary ways. Uh, I I thought it was funny because when I was first learning about Rocky and Iraq, um, Yeni Rocky was the one that all the uh, like um, all all the Middle Eastern cats who would come in and be like, oh yeah, Yenny, like that's what everybody drinks. That's what everybody drinks. That's what everybody drinks. And now when I see this, I'm like, oh, that's why everybody drinks that shit is because they fucking flooded the market with money and just like, right. just bought, bought everyone out and probably shut down competition and bought other brands. I had no idea until, until we read this, that Diageo owned, owned, uh, Yenny. I like that Rocky, man. It's, it's delicious. It's super tasty. And it, it, it certainly, was an acquisition, uh, you know, post creation. I mean, Yeni Rocky, I think, has been around for quite some time, um, and Diageo just yeah. bought it not not so long ago. Yeah, so they bought it in 2011, and they described it as an attractive emerging market at the time, which I think is really funny because it's you know again the the Rockies and and Iraqs like they haven't really taken a foothold anywhere anywhere else that maybe they thought it was going to have um 
but it's uh i mean it, yeah it's it should i mean i mean as much as you and i talk about like people drinking sherry and getting people on sherry i i want people to start drinking a rock and rocky too because that it's uh not only do you get to uh you know literally consume someone else's culture um uh you know in a glass but it's more often than not it's fucking delicious like it's it's like it's think about it like um uh you know it's a brandy distillate uh made in the same fashion as gin but instead of juniper uh, as your predominant uh botanical you're using anise or you're right and so it's Mm -hmm. it's still really similar uh in a lot and there's tons of crossover that people should like it you just kind of I think American palates just hate that like licorice flavor. But if you like yeah. absinthe, man, you're going to fucking love Rocky. And because it's easier to drink, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, fucking a hundred proof. Uh, you're not going to light it on fire. You're just going to sit there and drink it on ice and you're going to be really stoked about it. Well, actually a lot of the, the Arak's and the Rockies that we have, they, they do tend to be pretty high proof, which is, which is cool, but the preferred way of drinking it and, um, one of the ones that we have, it's on the bottle. So you fill, you know, half of your or a third of your Collins glass with, with the Rocky. Then you top that with water and then top it with ice. And what's really cool is like you, when you top that Rocky with water, it actually turns it into like this white color. It has this chemical reaction yeah. that, that changes the composition of the, of the liquid. And, um, it's kind of weird and kind of mad scientisty, but it also, you know, it, it helps like kind of mellow out some of those flavors and it becomes a really refreshing drink in it. You know, again, it's something that's consumed from a, um, for, for a lot, a lot of people in the middle East. And, and there's actually a bar in Washington DC, which I know I brought up before, but it's called the green zone and they actually cocktail with the stuff and they come up with really, really creative ways. And that's trying to bring that world here you know, one, one small cocktail at a time, but you know, basically if anything, everybody, what we want you to take away from this is, is go to good bottle or hit me up and let's get you drinking some Rocky. Like we'll let you guys try it. It's, it's fun. It's delicious. And naturally. And then, okay. So I want to do one more fine. Cause I just think I thought it was hilarious and it was, well, the other before, two, you like, you know, on, before you, yeah. before you move on, I gotta, I, I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Casbah. My old, my old bar before opening. Oh yeah. You know, we, did, we did a lot. Duh. We did a ton of, ton of cocktails with Rocky and Iraq. Like that was, that was the goal was to get it into people's hands and get people drinking it. Uh, so, you know, locally you don't got to go to DC, at least in, if you're in California, go to Casbah, uh, tell them that yeah. we sent you and they'll roll your eyes and they'll probably pour you a shot. That's like six ounces. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, you know, what? it's just, it's just been too long since I've been able to sit at that bar. It's just my favorite bar in Sacramento. So it's uh yeah definitely go to casbah okay so the the last one that we have so the the first two stories were about you know two of the biggest companies in the world this one is not that at all and um and and i could be wrong because i guess i don't know too much about the liquor business in ukraine but um a Ukraine distillery was fined over a number of breaches relating to Diageo's Johnny Walker Scotch brand in May of 2017. They fined the Simperful Wine and Cognac Factory $27,000 following a $556,000 fine for a similar violation in 2015. And basically what they had created was this product called Blackjack that was said to imitate the U.S. Whiskey Jack Daniels and another uh, trademark under this was White Hopes to compete with Diageo White Horse Blended Whiskey. And if you look at these bottles, and we'll have to put them on our on our uh, Instagram, but it's basically it has like Jack Talker over over the top. They're square bottles, and then you have red level, black level, and blue level. And on the bottoms, you have number six, number twelve, number eighteen. So they basically took Jack Daniels and Johnny Walker brought them together and made this really which doesn't look great whiskey distillate and it's so funny it's just kind of like in the the government in ukraine's like nope can't do this this is you're clearly targeting two of the biggest companies (laughs) in the world which is it's just 
Like when when people do this, you're like, like who who thought you were gonna get away with this? Like how how long was was the plan set for? Like I don't get it. You know, I don't get it. Maybe they just figured they'd all. make enough money fast enough that they'd be able to cover any fines that they that they procured. Well, I know like beer companies do that a lot. You see a lot of cease and desist letters get sent out to beer companies because they just don't give a shit. And a lot of those runs end up being one-time runs, right? So that by the time the cease and desist letter shows up, they're like, yeah, we're, we're done. We don't do like the Seinfeld can anymore. It's like, but there's no repercussions for it. So, you know, a lot of these a lot of these beer, and I think it slowed down a little bit because I think people were starting to get a little savvy towards it, and some of the fines that did go out were, were pretty bad. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just again we're, we'll share this on on the Instagram as well. It's so funny to look at these bottles and kind of be like, who thought this was going to work? Like this is, it's. But I guess you know, capitalize on those Jack Daniels drinkers, and then like what Jack Daniels drinker or Johnny Walker drinker looks at those bottles and go, that's definitely what I drink, you know. That to me is what is like what's the most confusing stuff is that you could have that much brand confusion on the um on those on those things. But that's the last one I have for my finds. Uh. Market watch. Yeah, buddy, we're back. And this week we're talking about the ball corp. Not Balls Corp. That's gross. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Ball Corp. Ball Corp being the uh, the glass and canning company, uh, one of the largest in the world, that uh, announced in back in September that they were going to that they were having a shortage of aluminum cans due to global pandemic. After that news, their stock price jumped from. on September 20th, up to $97.91 in November, and as of close today, has leveled off at $88.07. Kwai Chow Mutai, which we talked about last uh, last episode, has uh, has started slowing down on their on their meteoric climb. They're down from uh, $2,607. Uh, they're down 271 points to $2,336.07 as of close today. You know who's dope? Them over there. So now it's time for my favorite segment, the uh, the Dope Follows of the Week. And, and to kind of go back to your market watch, Chris, I think you need to start telling people like, hey, go out and, go out and invest in this, but don't take my advice as an investor because I know they always do that. Right, so they don't get in trouble if someone loses a bunch of money. <laughs> but I think you need to make that part of your stick. It's like, hey, go invest in this, but don't take my advice because I'm not a expert, and you know, protect yourself. But uh, I will, sorry, don't I'll follow you right now. My advice. What's that? Say it again. I said I would tell everyone right now not to take my advice. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, I, I will we'll second that. Um, so, our, so our dope follows is where we share different things that we're following that we think other people should. It could be a podcast, Instagram account, blog post, what the hell ever. Um, Chris, who's your dope follow this week? Uh, I'm going to keep it in the family. My my little sister has uh, started uh, a a baking company uh, that. F- she makes cookies and sweets and all sorts of things, but the 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 really really fun stuff is a ton of dirty cookies and uh, nasty cakes. So she makes like dick cookies and uh, and titty titty cupcakes and all sorts of things, and it has been cracking me up. She sends me photos, and she's I mean her decoration, like the way she glazes these things, it is. It is professional and it is lovely. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna send you all her way and definitely have you follow her. It is at Buttery Bee Bakery. Buttery like you know butter and B like bzz, a bee. Buttery Bee Bakery, all one word on Instagram. Uh, her name is Emily and she is extremely talented. And this uh, this new venture. And pivot during COVID has uh, done nothing except for keep me entertained. 
Nice. That's awesome. I love that it's actually in your family. I thought you were going to like say like a homie or something like that, but like, no, it literally was your family. That's great. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, definitely my family. I'm that would f- be my family that would do that. Yeah, I'm looking <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one. Um okay, so the my my follow this week is actually something that got introduced to me by my wife and and I know I've shared this with Chris before, but I've been listening to a new podcast called Gold Digger with Jenna Kutcher and it's 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 goal, not gold, but like G O A L gold digger on um whatever podcast system that you're listening to so whatever you listen to us on you can listen to the to this uh woman as well and she's way more professional than us not that that's saying much but she is but um what's really great about her is that she's been sharing like she started her own business and kind of built everything up she does this whole spiel on on her intro and she'll kind of give you a, a basis of who she is but she always has these really interesting people on and how they've started businesses and stuff like that and you know, Chris, to your point and talking about like pivoting over the past year and finding ways to create different streams of revenue like that your sister was able to do. That's what she talks about with a lot of people. And then over this past weekend, I was listening to, um, I was listening to one of her podcasts and she had uh, a guest on who's this young entrepreneur, this woman out of, out of Florida who does like this credit card company thing. And it was really interesting, but I remember sitting there kind of thinking to myself, I was like, I listened to a lot of podcast, but I don't listen to a lot of female led podcast and don't really hear a lot of female voices. So I was just kind of like, and it just, it just really was, it stuck out to me in, in listening to this conversation. And I've been listening to her, to her show for a couple of weeks. And I was just like, I was like, oh, this is great. So if anything, like, you know, diversify what you're listening to and, and things like that and get different people's opinions. But her show is so great that I always walk away from it super motivated. And I just like, and it's and it unfortunately Chris has bared some of the brunt of it, and so is my wife and other people that I'm working on projects with. So I'm like, I'm like, I need this done like now, 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 because I just walk away from this podcast like with so many great ideas, and she makes it really, really relatable. So again, that's um, that's Gold Digger with uh, Jenna Kutcher. Uh, so check that out because it's it's super, super great. The Good Bottle Podcast is brought to you by these two funny motherfuckers right here. The uh, The music is brought to you by the more brothers more, because we always want just a little bit more. Before we go kill these bottles that we've been drinking, we ask that if you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at the good bottle podcast, uh, or on our personal accounts. Mine is D Garrison six and Chris's is Chris sin And you can also support the podcast and our desire to start our own celebrity tequila by, um, uh, checking out anchor.fm slash good bottle podcast. If you would like for us to cover a story or if you are working with a brand that wants to be featured, please email us at thegoodbottlepodcast at gmail.com. And as a fun note, I sent my first email from the the Good Bottle Podcast uh, account this week. So it is active and it does work. Um, Also, as a reminder, (laughs) you can purchase the bottles that we drink on this episode, except for Lobos. You can't buy that on Good Bottle, but you can buy some Rocky at thegoodbottleshop.com. So uh, until next time, cheers. Cheers, buddy.